Welcome to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast, your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your hosts, Griffin Youngs and Christian Boulay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Griffin Youngs, joined by Christian Belay. As always, these episodes are starting to become a theme recently, where early in the week, the Avs have some sort of Hindenburg-level disaster of a loss, and then we spend the rest of the week prepping about how we're going to handle this on the show, how we're going to talk about it and not come off overly negative, but also not too optimistic and ignore everything. And then the next game, they go out and they go win the next game, and it's kind of fine and everything you just kind of forget after that and it kind of makes for a weird tone it makes for a very weird tone um we had a a nice christmas break i hope you all did as well uh we extended the break one more day so thank you all for being patient with us um yeah i'm actually kind of glad we didn't have to come on after that arizona game because i was i don't know like the first couple ones you can kind of write off this one annoyed me more than the other ones it did it really did. Like, I wasn't, like, angry flipping tables or anything. Like, I was genuinely sitting there like, holy fuck, there is something fundamentally wrong here. Right. Like, just truly honest to God, wrong with this team that I don't know if a win in St. Louis is going to make me feel any better. Because the Avs, they lose 5-4 to four in overtime to the Arizona Coyotes, blowing a 4 nothing lead with, what, four minutes left in the second period at that point, 24 yes. minutes of game time yes. total. It's four to one going into the third period and just meltdown, complete and utter meltdown. Georgiev plays terrible. He gets no help in front of him and they lose the game in overtime with an anemic overtime effort. And Josh Manson's playing and he makes a, a game ending turnover. And you're left here wondering, is that even a top three worst loss of the season? And is that the saddest part of that whole thing? Right. Right. It's when you ha- when you blow a four goal lead, that should be easily number one most embarrassing loss of the year. Is it even the worst loss this yeah. month? I don't know. I, honestly, like that, that's kind of where it goes. Um, but it, it was the exact same way. And then you go into St. Louis and they win a game thanks to their goaltending, which I don't think we've been able to say in a very long time. Yeah. The Georgiev goes to St. Louis into a hostile building, outduels Jordan Bennington and steals them a game. Where you can honestly say the first 40 minutes of Arizona were probably significantly better than every single period they played in yes. this against St. Louis. But because uh, Justin Falk misses a layup in front of the net and the Avs get a lucky bounce off a of Devontae's shot that breaks the tie, we're talking about a real gutsy road win instead of coming out of the, the Christmas break in a very concerning slump so it's funny how just things just work that way sometimes it is very funny um i i'm glad we get the perspective of that st louis game and yeah i should we should we start with our thoughts on the st louis game and then move to the arizona one or do you just want to get the arizona one and ripped off with the band-aid i mean i feel like you can't talk about one without the other at this point because if we record it after arizona it's a meltdown and what's wrong with this team? And how is this all Ryan Johansson's fault? And how is this all Georgiev's fault? And then after St. Louis, not a very exciting game with a lot to talk about, which is weird for an Avs and Blues game. Usually there's a, a couple of events that happen in every single one of those games, but it's a 
the boring ass road game that they stole with under three minutes to play in regulation. And the way you look at it, the abs are three, one and one in their last five games, except their two losses in that stretch are to the Chicago Blackhawks, terrible hockey team and a blown four, nothing lead to Arizona. Playoff team, Arizona, though. Oh, oh no. Yeah. I've I've got full respect for the Arizona Coyotes. <laughs> they are legit. You led them for nothing. Yeah. Don't care. Shouldn't lose that game. Shouldn't lose that game. 3-1-1 does sound a lot better when you look at it, but then you look at those losses and it is pretty bad. Um, I, I don't know. Like, I my thoughts on this team are still – they're good, but they also just constantly get in their own way and cost themselves – so many times in so many games. Like you look at the Arizona game, I firmly believe if Kale McCarr doesn't let fumble that puck behind the net, the Avs win that game in regulation. Yeah. Like I, I don't know what it is about Kale McCarr and Mullet, but in Mullet, he just he kind of stinks in Mold Arena. Yeah. And thankfully, we do not have to play there again this season in, in the regular season. In the regular season. Arizona Coyotes, currently a playoff team. We'll deal with that when we get there, but yeah. The Kale McCarr does not like playing in mullet and he was not great in this game. And Byram was not great in this game. And Ryan Johansson was not great in this game. And Alex Georgiev was not great in this game. The guys that were great are a lot of the guys who scored in this game. We wasted a Logan O'Connor wraparound, which he has probably missed on 500 straight attempts and finally scored on. And it it just completely got away. And but if Georgiev just makes a couple of saves, we're not even talking about this. It's just oh, it got close at the end. But you know, you, have, you don't lose with a four nothing lead. Who does that? Well, they have to do that. <laughs> it was I don't know Georgiev in that game. It was it was weird because I thought for the first twenty five minutes of it, he was pretty solid. Yeah, he, he, had, pretty he, had shot, he, had, he had a shutout going. Yeah, and it, it looked like it was going to be the exact same recipe of the game that happened the day before break. Abs are going to win 4-1, cruise to an easy victory. And then the wheels fell off at the start of the third period. And I don't know, man. Like, it, it was – I didn't love the goal that beat him on the wraparound by Zucker. I didn't love that one. I, 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 I hated it. Terrible yeah. goal to give up. I know we shouldn't, like, expect him to make a save on the far post on a wraparound, but – you got to make that save, dude. Like that is not a great a scoring chance. And you let that one in that made it four three. Mm-hmm. And the abs kind of held on for a little bit. Your made some saves. And then like we talked about, Kill McCarr just fumbles that puck. He has an easy chance to clear it and he flubs it. And 20 seconds later, I think it was Jersey scored from the point again, Georgiev, we've had this conversation all year. The dude needs to learn how to make some saves through traffic. And he's going to get screened in important moments in games. And he needs to make the save. He just, he just can't make the save in this one. Yeah. And going back to that goal that made it four to three. I mean, Byram makes a horrible play on it. Ryan Johansson gets smoked by his guy on this play. Like, yeah, you have multiple guys that are not helping in this situation. That is a wraparound attempt that never leaves the ice. So you can track the full way. And Georgiev just looked confused. Like right. he just looked completely lost on that entire play. And on the fourth one, the, the puck has to get out. Yeah. The amount of times we have seen a critical goal go in the abs net because they cannot get the puck out of the zone goes well beyond this season. This extends to the beginning of the McKinnon era. 
it, it's it drives me crazy. And it, it's not like it's like your fifth or sixth defenseman making these mistakes. It's your best players making these mistakes in critical moments. And I think that's what irritates me more than anything. Yeah, I it's this is one of the most frustrating losses of the season almost simply because you had a four to nothing lead, but it's just in the manner that it gets away where you have your top guys scoring important goals in this game. And they've been fantastic over the last stretch. You know, you had Ranton and scoring and you had drew and finally getting another one to go and O'Connor, like you're getting a mix of depth scoring and your star scoring McKinnon pushes the point streak to 19 games. And again, with, Four minutes to go in the second period. You were up four to nothing. To lose that game is unfathomable. Yeah. And you can see in the locker room post-game, this is where it really made me feel bad, whereas like they just look shell-shocked. Like they genuinely did not understand what just happened to them. Yeah, because even in that third period, well, the third period, I, I was going to say maybe they played well. I think they only had like three shots in the third they period. Got so they got everything. Destroyed. Yeah, they got their ass kicked in the third period. Um you can't really be shell-shocked in it. And then you give up the tying goal. You go into overtime. The Avs, it's weird. Their overtimes are weird because – They're bad at them. I think we yeah, can say I, it this year. They're back to being bad at overtime. I, I want them to be the puck control team, but I don't think this team's meant to be a puck control overtime team. They just aren't. No, they should not be. They look terrified of scoring in right. this overtime. They were playing keep away with no end game. They were just moving the puck around. No one wanted to take the shot. I felt bad for Jonathan Drouin because he's been playing a lot better, but he still does not have the confidence to just go shoot that puck with the game on the line. So they're just moving the puck back and forth, back and forth, and no one really looks super dangerous. And eventually the Coyotes are like, okay, we're just going to chill out here. Like They had guys that were stuck out there for over two minutes. They did not look that tired because the Avs were not making the move all that much. They get a change. And then all of a sudden, it's the Coyotes that are coming out and and dominating the rest of the overtime. And eventually, they're just throwing pucks at net, and a puck flies up in the air, and they get a guy crashing the net, and it just goes right in off of him. Like it's it's really not that complicated that a team with this much talent just just attack, just yeah. fucking attack. Because I would rather lose, I would rather lose in overtime trying to score than trying to play keep away. The abs, the abs will always have a much better chance in a track race of an overtime. Correct. If it's if you're just trading chances back and forth, you need you need to be able to trust your goalie in overtime. And Georgiev actually did make some big saves in that overtime yeah. period. He did exactly. make some big saves. I'll give him credit for that. Right, and like not even a knock against Georgiev, just base level. You need to trust your goalie in overtime yeah. that he's going to make you some big saves. And when you have McKinnon, McCarr, Ranton, and Nachushkin, all these talented players, you want those opportunities for Georgiev to make a save push the puck up ice, and you have a two-on-one. That's how the Avs win a lot of overtime game. That's how they did it last season. And this year, they play for shootouts. They don't. They seem like they'll take a goal if it gets handed to them. Has it ever? <laughs> like They just don't get those this year because they're not, they haven't been good at making those opportunities for themselves. And then you put Josh Manson on the <laughs> ice for three-on-three overtime, which, yeah, he totally fucks this. He makes a horrible play. Josh Manson is not built for three on three. That is a complete misuse of him. It is a complete misuse. And it kind of puts a, like a, a gray cloud over Manson, who I think has been playing phenomenal hockey. That's like, like the one, that's like the one real screw up he's had over the last several games. I thought he was great. The rest of this game against Arizona, yep. 
fantastic against St. Louis. He's had a really good stretch of games recently. He's just not a three on three hockey player, man. You're, if you're putting just John, if you're putting him <laughs> on the ice for three on three, I'm sorry, you get what you deserve. Yeah. I know Byron was bad in this game. I'm still putting him out there in that situation. Right. Manson is not built for that. And here's the thing: like, how so much three on three overtime has Manson even simulated in practice outside of a penalty right. kill? Like he he does not have the foot speed for this. He does not have the experience for it. Even when he was in Anaheim, I would love to see the amount of minutes Josh Manson played at three on three. He has no expertise in this area no. whatsoever. And with that game on the line, look, I love Jared Bednar. I think he's a great coach. That was a really, really bad decision. To I would have rather had Malinsky. Or right, like if you're gonna punish Byram. Byram, if you're gonna punish Byram in this situation for having a shitty night, which he did, put Malitsky out there. I know he's a young guy and he's not that doesn't have the experience of Josh Manson. At least he can move in this situation. Right. I you the second he stepped on the ice, I was like, no way. <laughs> it was like so in the past two weeks, we've seen Josh Manson on the power play, and we've seen Josh Manson three on three. Those were not on my bingo cards for 2023. And guess what? They went horrible. Yeah, they did not go well. They did not go well. And it, it's it sounds like we're trashing Josh Manson. He's been phenomenal in this past two weeks. I've loved the way he's played. In that situation, he is not meant to be on the ice. No. And, and it it was a terrible turnover. I don't I think he had like an oh fuck moment when he realized he had the puck at the red line. And he's like, wait, it's three on three. I can't dump it in. And it's like, no, that would have been the smart play in that situation. Dump the puck yeah, in. Like, just get, get the a puck change. down the ice. But like, he's panicking. He doesn't know what to yeah. do. He's never been in a situation Correct. before. Correct. And it is just so fun. Like, it, it's just, I imagine that's what would happen if I was out there in a three on three overtime. I'd look like Josh Manson in that situation. Um, and it results in just some funny bounces. I actually think Miko made a great defensive play at first. And the puck just bounces up, and the Coyotes get the four three or five four win in overtime. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know. I, I think now that a couple days have passed, I'm not as annoyed at that loss. It helps having a win sandwiched between. Yeah, if they it does. If, if they had lost this game, the Blues, if Falk makes that tap in, or just the opposite thing happens, and it's uh, Torupchenko getting that same goal that that Tays score, and they lose that game two to one, we're a little more frustrated because. Lose game, they did not play that well. No. Very that's much their C game. That's why hockey's the stupidest sport sometimes, because they played well enough to win in Arizona. And you watch that St. Louis game, they had what three shot attempts in the first period. It was not a good hockey game at all. Like no. they, they <laughs> definitely had I'd say at the g- most generous thing I can say is that was a C level performance from them. And the blues were a D is the only reason that they won this game. Yeah, it was – I want to say it was a playoff-style game, but I, I don't even know if that puts – it was just sloppy. There was no, like, cohesion in it. There was very little offensive chances. And, well, the Blues actually had some offensive chances, but thank God the Blues don't have the finishers that they used to. Um, I don't even really know how to describe this game other than – Georgiev was, had a really nice bounce back game. Yeah. I mean, he definitely answered the call. He was a lot more busy in this game. And I think a little more consistently busy than he was against Arizona, which I think helps him a lot when he gets to actually face some shots. And the Avs, they played better team defense in front of him yes. a little bit. 
they were not terrible defensively. Offensively, they were absolutely anemic and could not muster anything. But Georgiev outdueled Jordan Bennington in this game and put them in the position to get a lucky bounce in the third period. Did that goal end up getting credited to Taves or was it Miles Wood who got it? I'm pretty sure it's still Taves' goal. Because I think it went off the skate of the defenseman. Yeah. So it ends okay. up being Devontae's goal. Yeah. That saves them from just truly a horrific game of hockey to watch. <laughs> if, they really lost, like if, they really made, if they really made me sit through this entire game and lose, I was going to be furious. Yeah. They were throwing stats out, I believe, in like the second period that like the abs are on pace to have the lowest shot attempts of any team in the NHL this season. I was like, that's not good. Yeah. That's, not, that's not good. Where it's like um, in Arizona, they had like 53 shot attempts right. whatever, and they were on pace for like 25 in this game. Yeah, it, it was rough. Um, I, I think with Georgiev, what we've learned, and I think what Bednar's kind of doing now is you just have to let him play, like give him a game off every once in a while, but he has to be in a steady like stream of games. He just has to play consistently and he'll work through it. I would imagine he's probably going to get the start tomorrow against San Jose just keep him in a rhythm, man. I think that's really what we have to do is just keep playing Georgiev and yeah. hope that he can replicate what he did in St. Louis. Yeah. I mean, after the Arizona game where he played badly, I mean, there there were people calling for his head that like you need to look into getting another goalie, which, of course, my answer to that is how. I think people just say that and they don't really consider how that's even possible to do because teams don't just give you goalies if they have a number one. You're going to have to pay an exorbitant price, even if your solution is Jake Allen, who's like the one available goalie, Carolina, Edmonton, Toronto. I think they're all a little New Jersey. New Jersey. <laughs> I think they're all maybe a little ahead of the Avs in the queue for desperation for goaltending at the moment because it's a bizarre year in net for a lot of teams. And with Georgiev, like the solution is, I think, what you said play him. You have to let him play. Is he the best goalie in the world? No. We've had a season and a half of him at this point. He has his he has his highs. He has his lows. And if the Avs got the version of Georgiev that they're seeing this year, last year, they probably would have been like a wild card team. <laughs> yes. Considering how much he covered up a lot of issues on that team last year. And this year, he's he hasn't been as consistent. But you still see enough from him, even in games that he's bad. You still see those. You moments. see the flash, like that Ottawa game is the perfect example of it. Like the the first, the third goal he gave up was truly horrific, and then after that, he bounced back and just made some incredible saves in that game. Yeah, and then they turns out they come back and win that game anyway. Yeah. So you still get enough from him, and with the amount of talent this team has to still go and win that game. And in this game, or even two of the last three games, when he played Arizona before the break, he was fantastic in that game. And then the first 25 minutes of this game against Arizona, he was pretty good in that one, too. I wouldn't say he was amazing because he didn't have to do too much, but he made some great saves. And the Blues weren't amazing in this game. He wasn't like he was diving across and making glove saves, but you can only face the shots that are taken. And he stopped all of them except for the worst play of the year by Nathan McKinnon, which on a power play gave up a clean breakaway to Robert Thomas. That's the only goal that went in. He stops 29 of 30 and I hopefully silences a lot of, you need to go and get a goalie talks. Hopefully, but it won't. It won't. Let's it be won't. honest here. Uh, that play by McKinnon was 
almost as funny as Manson being out on three on three overtime. Because you knew the second Thomas got that puck at his own blue line, I got the tie game. Like yeah. I didn't even have to watch the rest of the play. I was no. like, this is going in the net. Yeah. I think what happened on that play is McKinnon's just so used to McCarr being there in right. that moment that he didn't think twice about it. Did like was it just me or did like Robert Thomas look confused for a second? Like just oh. that split second on his face, his body language was like, really? really? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, man. Like I'm going to take oh, this and I'm going to go. Chilling. I'm going to take that to the house real quick. Cause I mean like Robert Thomas has probably been the best player on the blues this season. Oh, yeah, he's on pace for like 35 goals this year. Oh, he's been fantastic this season for the blues. It's weird. Cause I hate the blues yet. They have so many players that like, I kind of like, like Thomas Bushnevich, Jordan oh. Cairo to an extent. Other guys can can fuck off, but those three I kind of like a lot. But Robert Thomas is probably the one guy you do not want to be given that breakaway to at the moment, and you cannot be mad at Georgiev for that in any sense of the imagination. It also sucks in hindsight because if that doesn't happen, he probably pitches a shutout. Yes, that was a perfect breakaway. Like there was, I don't think any goaltender on planet Earth is stopping that breakaway by Robert Thomas. The move oh. he made and the placement of the puck, bar down. I don't think there's a goalie in the world stopping you, that. Puck. You don't give up those breakaways to good NHL players. Right. More often than not, they're going to score on them. It's that simple. Yes, it, it was just so funny. Um, and we will mention Nathan McKinnon did extend his point streak in the Arizona game. It came to an end in St. Louis. See, I, I, I would I'd petition he gets primary assist on that goal. I would too. Um, in soccer, they do that where they'll say like it's an own goal. I, I think that should be counted as an own goal for McKinnon. Um, it ends at 19, one short of tying the avalanche record. I did not realize Matt Sundin had like a 31 game point streak for the Nordiques, which is just absurd when you think about it. Because 19 seems like a lot, and then you talk about 31. I mean, think like, about that. 19 games ago was the Dallas comeback. Does that not feel like it was last year? Yeah. And what did we say Gretzky's was? He had like a 62, and that's the record. Something, something ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like 50, just, 60 games in a row. Just absurd. And it sucks that it ends in the St. Louis game. But to be quite honest, I I. It's just crazy that it went on this long. Um, and for the rest of the game, I actually thought that the McKinnon line was kind of trash. Yeah. I mean, the fact that you win this game and your top guys were not particularly good. No. Or a rare night where you get not only goose eggs from McKinnon, an active giveaway that ends up in the back of your net. The fact that you had that happen and still get a regulation win on the road to snap a six game road losing streak, which I think was also much needed. Yes. You, you will take that every single time. And I think a lot of people would agree that, and McKinnon would agree that he makes that trade every time that they win that game at the expense of his point streak. Yeah. And it was a game where you had the depth scoring. We talked about Ryan Johansson being bad in Arizona. He gets two points in the game against St. Louis he gets his 200th career goal, which didn't McKinnon already have? He just has 300th goal, right? Yes. And like a lot less time. Yeah, it's just crazy when you think about it because 200 goals is still a fuck ton in the NHL. Yeah. Like that's nothing Ryan, to bat an eye at. Ryan Johansson's been around for a hot minute at this point. And I mean, it looked like Josh Manson had the first goal of the game yeah. earlier and uh, taken away because Curtis McDermott, who had. I think it might be time to have this conversation in a few minutes, but he kind of loses where he is on the ice and skates into Jordan Bennington. Yes. I like, we complain a lot about not knowing what goalie interference is 
that's that was pretty clear cut. That was pretty clear goalie interference. Like it wasn't the most egregious thing in the world. Like he didn't bulldoze him. He made contact with him yeah. and was not shoved in. Yeah, the shot was on the other side. You would have to justify not overturning that goal for days in front yes. of that home crowd. There was no way that goal was not coming back. Yeah, and you know it is uh, goal to interference when even like your own commentators are like, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. coming back. <laughs> even even uh, Mosier and Rykoff were like, well, maybe, no. no, no like, yeah, because that... like, they, they were looking. They were looking for a reason, and they're like, hmm. That, no, you, like you, you cannot in good faith let that goal stand. Right, right. And how many minutes did McDermott end up playing in this game? Probably like four. Yeah, like that. like six total shifts wow. in this. Oh, game. I thought you'd say six minutes. Yeah, six shifts in the entire game. He played four twenty-two. Sounds about right. Um, it, do we want? Do we want to just talk about it now? Now that we're just on the topic. Oh, I mean, it, I, I think in an ideal world, he's just not playing. When Lekkonen's back, he's out of the lineup. You have yeah, Ross Colton now. I'll say Colton did not play in this game. Yeah. Took got off the knee against Arizona. Probably not playing against the Sharks. You know, according to Jared Bednar, between probably and doubtful, maybe. Love that. I mean, that's a perfect hockey explanation for his injury. Um, yeah, I mean, Curtis McDermott's fun. I love having Curtis McDermott on the team. When you're forced to play him, like – what is it, six straight games now that he's played? Something like that. And has he even, with those six games, is he even reaching what Rantanen plays in one game? No. I but. doubt it. I doubt it. Um, but that's the thing. In, in, in an ideal world, Curtis McDermott is just your extra guy. Break glass in case of emergency. Unfortunately, he's had to play a lot more. Um, the funny thing is, is I think if the apps put him on waivers, he still would be claimed by a lot of teams. Are we sure? I, I think so. I know I've, I know I've said that in the past. I'm not trying to be a massive hypocrite, but like just saying that out loud is like, are we sure that's still going to happen anymore? If that's the case, like maybe an Anaheim or a San Jose takes a flyer just to keep the flies off their young guys. But it's, it's not like Curtis is doing that right now. Where he's, well, no one wants to fight. That's the problem with being a good fighter is no one wants to fight you. But he's also not stopping guys from like getting in altercations or anything or preventing guys from getting hit this season. And it's, it's he's had those great two fun goals. He's clearly added a, a little more skill into his game. Oh, yeah, yeah. A lot of room for improvement in that area. And he's, he clearly spent a lot of time on it in the offseason. You have to give him a lot of credit for that. But also... You have this where he he does not know where he is on the ice. Bulldozes a goalie and causes a goal to be called back. And you are playing with 11 forwards for pretty much the rest of the night. There just comes a point. I don't think it's going to happen now. But when we get to the trade deadline, they're going to do something. And Lekkonen's going to be back in the lineup. And you're going to hopefully be a little healthier and have most of your guys in the lineup at that point. And adding more guys in. There are going to be guys that are going to get put on waivers or sent down or not have to clear waivers at all. Is McDermott going to have to be one of them if you want to make your dream roster fit? Because I don't know how much longer you can do this and continue to get away with playing a guy for five minutes. And if he's lucky if he's playing five. I mean, this is the last year of his contract, right? Right. I don't think they resign him. No. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Because he's making what nine, also, nine something. 
Yeah, because also where I sit on it is let let's say things are going poorly in the playoffs and guys are hurt and banged up and you're in the middle of a second round series. Are you really going to put Curtis McDermott out there and play him for six minutes in a playoff game? I don't know. They don't they, think they'd call it or have Jones play and they go. Exactly. Exactly forward. my point. So why are we doing this right now? Or why would we continue to do this past the trade deadline? This it's- is going to sound like I'm joking, but I really do think it's true. I think it's vibes. I really do think he is a great locker room guy. I don't think it's crazy. I think it is the most logical explanation. I think he is just beloved by everyone. And it would be a shock to the system for a lot of people if he was just not there. Yeah, that's honestly what I think it is. Because it's very clear the play and how much Bednar plays them that he he doesn't. (laughs) There is not, there has never been more of a clear indication that a coach does not like playing this player. Yeah. He does not play him when he is in the lineup. He would rather play 55 minutes of the games with 11 forwards than to play Curtis McDermott for another shift. Correct. Um, I do think that it's going to be interesting when we get to the trade deadline and where this team's at. Um, I think once you add Colton and Lekkinen back into the lineup, there's no chance that he's going to play McDermott. But Mm -hmm. the thing is, is like we've seen it with the call-ups. Like they called up Tufty, they've called up uh, Olausen, and they're playing the same amount of time as McDermott was when they were up. So I I think it's just Bednar really likes playing 11 forwards, and he just hasn't found a 12 forward he trusts. Because he trusts Kiviranta. Kiviranta's made himself a, a mainstay in the lineup. Ben Myers, I think, in a pinch, can be a good fourth-line guy. I, I don't think he's great, but you can play him eight to ten minutes a night. And, I mean, Tufty, we've liked his flashes of his game, but... He's just not complete enough. Yeah, he's not there with the... like. I, I think it was either Rudo or AJ said if he could learn how to PK, he'd be an everyday NHLer. Yep. But that's what uh, you need from a bottom six role. You need to be able to play on the penalty kill. Tufty can't do it. Yeah. And that's why Kiviranta is still up with this team is because Kiviranta has been phenomenal defensively. So I think Bednar just needs to find a 12th forward that he trusts. And I think that's going to either be a trade deadline acquisition, uh, paging Nick Dowd, um, or something's going to have to happen because right now he trusts 11 forwards. And you could say Ben Myers is the 11th. He barely trusts. Right. And if you only trust 11 forwards to play, why bother with a 12th one at all? Play 7D at that point. Bring bring Malinsky back up or put Caleb Jones in the lineup and have them alternate with, with Jack Johnson every other shift, especially with Gerard coming back for the San Jose game. You can you can just do that instead. You can. Have more defensemen instead of playing Curse McDermott for literally four seconds in the third period of a tied game. I actually think it'd be more fun if you put Byram on a wing. And just had him play wing. Yeah. I that mean, could be I just anything else would be more productive than this right now. Yeah. I don't disagree with you. It's, I think Curtis's best role is when he is uh, the 15th or 16th forward on a team. Yeah. And the problem with the salary cap is usually the 15th or 16th forward is not with the team. Right. The 15th or 16th forward is usually playing uh, 20 minutes a night in the AHL. Correct. Oh, I would love to see Curtis in the AHL. He would fucking kick ass down there, man. Is it? Do you think they keep him up not because he's good, but because he would be too much of a problem in the AHL, where he would pick up a twenty-year-old child and throw him into the three hundreds? I don't think he'd do that. I think they'd just be like, "Wow, this guy's way too talented to be down here." Yeah, he can do both. 
This is yeah, bullshit. He's, and he's going to score 50 goals. And you'd be like, why is this guy in the AHL? Yeah. Um, yeah. I love Curtis just because I, I think he is the closest thing to a, a normal person in the NHL, which is just funny to say because he is probably better than 99% of humans when it comes to playing hockey. It's just the top of the 1% is very good. And he is at the bottom of the 1% that's yeah. in the NHL. Unfortunately. So, I don't know. It, it'd be interesting. Uh, I, I do think that I'm going to enjoy these last couple months of Curtis being on the abs because I think it's maybe a 2% chance he comes back. I would be very surprised if they sign themselves up for an, another season. of Yeah. I, I mean, I he might make it to the playoffs. I, I don't think he's going to be off the team at the trade deadline. But if you are in a playoff game and Curtis McDermott is playing in it, you are in dire straits. Correct. I mean, we saw it last year, Kerfoot, or not Kerfoot, wow, um, Alex Newhook. <laughs> um, he played, what, like six minutes a game in the playoffs? Yep. And even still, McDermott did not play against yeah. Seattle. Even with everything that went on, they didn't even bother. Yeah. It's going to be tough. So we'll have to see. And I, I did like what like, – I don't know. I, I feel bad for Logan O'Connor because he did kind of get demoted from his line. And went back down to a fourth line role with Cogliano and I think it was Myers centering that line with him. It was. Um, granted, Colton was out, but I just feel like LLC's earned a little bit more ice time than that. And I mean, we'll, we'll have to see. The, the lines are going to be interesting. They, they are mixing them up. They mix them up middle of the game. They had Drew Ann on the top line. You had Johansson. Uh, Nachushkin and Wood on the second line. Was that the second line last night? Yes, because Colton came out. You put Johansson up with Wood and Druan, I believe. To start, and then Nachushkin yeah. got bumped down to the second. Yeah. Who's had a rough couple of games? Yeah. I mean, it's tough when he's you see what he can do. He was close to scoring in that St. Louis game. He had that one that Bennington just got like literally the toe on to keep him from scoring a wide open net but i still would rather have val playing a top line role than probably anyone else on the team right now outside of mckinnon and rantanen yeah and you're hoping when lekkanen comes back you can take some of that strain off of him whether that is putting lekkanen back with mckinnon or putting lekkanen on the the second line role i mean you're probably a week or two away from that probably i mean there there he was for those who didn't see, Lekkonen is in a red non-contact. He did practice with the team today, which puts him on hopefully track for two weeks maybe that he's back. And that'd be – you add Arturi Lekkonen into this lineup and that top six looks a whole lot better. Yeah, it's <laughs> almost like this team is missing like some very important pieces yes. right now and they're trying to to make do without it, where they don't have Ross Colton in this game – and they don't have Lekkanen, and they don't have Gerard, who they're finally getting back on the defense, which is going to make a massive world of difference. And once this team starts to get a little healthier, I think you're going to start to see maybe a little more consistency out yes. of them. And even still, I still think this is an, an unfinished product at the moment. But the guy who has been everyone's favorite target to pick on this season, Ryan Johansson, has himself a two-point night. Himself a two-point night. Um I loved your tweet about increasing his trade value. I thought that was very funny. I mean, you got you got to sell him to someone. So. Yeah, I did love that. Uh, I still like we've talked about. It, he's he's still a good player. He's just stylistically does not fit with this Abs team. Yeah, and 
every time I see him skating with this Avs team, it looks like he's skating in mud. Yeah, he, he, he's just he's not a quick skater anymore. I mean, look at the the goals he scored recently. This one, he's in front of the net and chips the puck in. The other one was against San Jose, where he's just on the opposite side of the net, sitting still. And yeah, he's had a couple of goals this season with his feet. You know, against Tampa, he had that wraparound goal, which was, I think, uh, you should not be expecting more of those in no. the future. And, you know, you got to give credit where it's due. Johansson gets the two points in this game. He was dreadful against the Coyotes. And even still, with the two goals and no, not two goals, two points and no Ross Colton in the lineup, he still only played 13 and a half minutes. Yeah, and one of them, I think he got like two and a half minutes, maybe three minutes on the PK because he didn't win the faceoff and was forced to stay on the ice. Yeah. And, you know, more than anything... You have to look at how a coach trusts a player where even they don't have his safety net in Ross Colton, which they use to eat his five on five minutes instead. And they're still not playing him, even when he does have the goal that has the game tied at one. And he does make a nice play on the faceoff and does good work to dig that puck out and get it to Nachushkin, who gets it to Taze and gets himself the, the secondary assist and keeps him the second point because they didn't give the goal to Miles Wood and finishes the the night with two points. Ryan Johansson's a good player. He's a good NHL player. This is not going to be a guy who's like put on waivers by the end of the no. season. And he's going to be in the league still probably for two, three more seasons. I'd say so. Say, Just with the Avs, it's not a fit stylistically, where I think if, I don't know. He somehow he was on a team for another half retained two million bucks as a bottom six center that you stick in front of the net on a slower, more methodical team. He can definitely still stick around. I mean, this is a guy who does still have 11 goals at the moment. It's not like he's doing nothing, but a lot of that came earlier in the season where his deficiencies were on display, but he was scoring. So you couldn't be too mad about it. And then the scoring dried up and there really wasn't anything else to point to. It goes back to the point. I think we said a couple episodes ago, if Ryan Johansson was making like $1.5 million, I don't think I'd have any problems with him. Yeah. But he's <laughs> making four. He's making four. And that's where it's like that. I forget who tweeted out the Moneyball meme. And it was like, no, Ryan, we're not paying you 8 million. The predators are paying you 4 million to play against them. Play against you. That's like, the Nashville Predators. I was thinking of the other one. <laughs> it's like, Joe, this is Ryan Johansson. His deficiency is he fucking sucks. Yeah. Yeah, I did see that one too. Um, it It's just a tough thing. And I really do think McFarland's looking at it right now to figure out how we can improve this team. And it's going to be tough to get rid of Johansson without having to like attach something to it. You are attaching something to it. I think you have to make peace with that. I think you can do it. I don't know if it has to be like, oh, you attach your first him. A team like the Blackhawks or the Sharks, like those are teams that are still going to be looking to hit the salary cap floor next season. I don't think you have to dump him to Calgary in an Elias Lindholm trade. But I think if you find a way to to flip that to one of those lower teams that's still going to be fighting for cap floor stuff, yeah, you're going to have to attach something to it. They're not just going to do it for free. But if it's like a third round. Well, round. dude, if Scotty Bowman was still running the Hawks, we probably could do it. You could him. you could just be like, dude, he's got 11 goals. You stick yeah. with Connor Bedard. He's going to. If I would Bedard, you'd be, we probably could. 
but the the Hawks have gotten smart smarter. Is it Kyle Davidson? Is that his name? Yeah, Davidson. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. Um, I will give him credit. He he did play well in the Blues game in the Linden minutes. But that's play. also the thing. Like he has the two points. I still don't know if I would classify it as he played that well. Yeah, he cleaned up in front. He did his job on that play. You have to look at it too, dude. Who did play well last night against the Blues? I mean, that is also the thing. <laughs> like where, everyone like, on the team honestly, kind of stuff. You know what? Night. Honestly, this was probably the best possible game for Ryan Johansson. This game was a slog. This yeah. was just, there was no speed, no flow, no rhythm. This game, of course, Ryan Johansson had two points. This is exactly how he likes to play. Right. Like it, it was an ugly, ugly game of hockey. So I still do think that they're going to try and find a way to to get out of that this trade deadline. I don't know if you have a choice, honestly. You don't. I think they it's a necessity that they have to do it because again, you're not banking cap space, and if you want to improve this team at the deadline, you're going to have to do that because that's four million dollars that you can spend otherwise. And I don't think there's anyone else on this team that that you're moving off from right now. No, I agree. And it, it's a big money one. So have to wait and see. Um, I did want to talk real quick um, about how much I hate Jordan Bennington still. Um, we had the most weird penalty shot that the Avs have ever gotten. It was like a, a ball hockey play where the guy threw his broken stick at Kale. The Avs get a penalty shot and Bennington makes a nice save. But he just pissed me off the way he just bats the puck in Makar's direction. It's like, dude, fuck off, man. Like, I hate you so fucking much for you to showboat against the best defenseman on planet earth. Just, it, it made me want to punch him in the face again. And but Jordan Bennington would be five miles away from you. If you ever wound up for a punch that dude, he sees yeah. someone threatening him and he is booking it in the other. Did it not piss you off when he did that though? It, but it, it was the first it, thing it, I saw after he made that save is that bullshit little flip towards the fucking Kale McCarr's like, dude, I hate your fucking guts, man. I hate. I just, I just try to block him out whenever possible. I was more pissed at McCarr for the weak penalty shot attempt. I thought that was a terrible shot attempt. There was no attempt at a move. It was like potentially the lowest possible scoring chance you could get. I would have rather had a two-minute power play than a penalty shot. I, I am of that I firm mean, I would rather have the two-minute power play than a penalty shot most times. In that situation, I would rather put Kale McCarr in the position to go on a penalty shot than the power play, which was pretty bad in this game. In that situation, I agree with it, but you want a better opportunity from McCarr there. You you have the hands, man. You can- Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I get what he was trying to do. He didn't elevate the puck enough. And that was I mean, kind I of don't even see what he was trying to do. It just it seemed like a very low percentage scoring chance for a penalty shot. Just there there was not much of an attempt no. at a move. It just felt like ah, if I score, I score. If I don't, ah, we're fine, right? Yeah. Luckily they won that game because there were a ton of missed opportunities for the abs in this game. I yeah, think for both they, teams. If they lost this game, this is a much different episode. We yes. we'd be a lot more upset. Yeah. Uh, Miko missed a wide open net. And the dude drives me up a wall. When you have a shot like Miko Rantanen, we've talked about this for. I don't care where you're shooting, just shoot the fucking puck, man. Like, I trust you with a shot more than anyone in the NHL. Well, maybe not anyone in the NHL. I trust you with a shot more than just about anyone on this team. I get you're trying to make a nice play to get a wipe. But I trust you to shoot the puck more, man. Like, just shoot the goddamn puck. Yeah, it should not be such a complicated thing. For Miko Rantanen, of all people, just, be, just take the shot. Yeah. Shoot. 
you know, you have one of the best shots in the league, one of the trickiest shots in the league. Just take it. Just take the damn thing. And if you get it on net, you might generate a rebound, you know? Like, it just it does not have to be a big deal. It doesn't have to be a big deal. I would have killed for Miko Ranton to shoot the puck there. Um, and then he missed that open net. I can live with him missing an open net on a chance. Like, he, the puck was out in front of him. There's not much he can do. But I would rather have you shoot the goddamn puck than try and make the cross crease pass. Just no, shoot the puck especially the cross crease pass. You have to do that perfectly perfectly to have that work you have a better chance at just shooting the damn thing and hoping you either get it through or someone can clean up in front yes agreed and also like look at how they score goals in this game they're all greasy it's all just getting the puck to the net and and hoping for the best you know the johansson one that's just getting a shot to the net and the rebound goes right to johansson who cleans up and taze just shoots the damn thing and it goes off a defenseman and into the net. Like, that's all you've got to do. All you got to do, man. It drives me crazy. But, um, yeah, I still hate Jordan Bennington with a fiery passion. Um, the Blues have actually kind of, like, I don't know why, but maybe it's just because they haven't been good the past two years. The rivalry with them, I feel like, has kind of died down a little bit. I hate Bennington, but I really don't hate the Blues as much as I used to. Yeah, I mean, I haven't forgotten anything over the last <laughs> little while i mean they just annoy the shit out of me but I've, I've, i think i agree the games haven't been super feisty especially since the, the whole cadre incident in the playoffs yeah. just like, kinda, it's kind of died down like i hate bennington with a fiery passion but other than that like I, eh, like you said like, i i kind of like robert thomas i like the way he plays i, I really like pavel buchnevich um I wish he was an Av. I think he would be a killer Av. Yeah, my my problem is more with Blues fans than the Blues. Players. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But uh, yeah, I'm just happy they won that game in regulation, and it's just that's the funny part with this Avs team, and I think that's the frustrating part for me is like even as inconsistent as they've been, they're still atop the Central Division right now. Granted, they played more games than the Jets and the Stars. But if this team can find some form of consistency, I think they can run away with the Central. Hey everybody, hope you've been enjoying this episode so far, interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor at DraftKings Sportsbook. Football is back in full swing with another week of epic games, and who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet $5 on football and get $200 instantly in bonus bets when you sign up. Best of all, nobody's going to be missing out on any of the actions this season because all DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every single game day this September. So what are you waiting for? Get in on the NFL Week 2 action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code THPN to sign up. New customers can bet just $5 and take home 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. The crown is yours. Now, back to the episode. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about our frustrations with this team over the last like month and a half, really, and how they haven't been able to string anything together. The Stars just had their point streak broken by the Blues right after we came back from the break. And they are all still neck and neck. Like, yeah. for as good as the Jets have been, now everyone's hyping them up as a sleeper team. They have not pulled away from the Abs whatsoever. In fact, the Abs are still currently in the lead. Yeah, they've played two more games than them both. 
but the Avs still have that that two point lead at the moment. And if they can just get healthy and start stringing together more wins consistently, like they've usually done in January, or I guess not last year, but they, usually there's a, comes a point later in the season where they start to put things together. Then they're, I think they are going to pull away with it. I still think it's going to be close because I still think Dallas and Winnipeg are are good teams, but I think this is still our division to lose. And for as frustrated as we've been, yeah, they are in a good spot. I I have my concerns with this mix at the moment. It's not the core or the team. It's just the way things are right now. I don't think the team as it's built right now really has it in them to go all the way. Oh, I completely agree. The, yeah. the, this is, I think, if as the team sits right now, if they don't make any moves, Western Conference Final is probably the farthest they could go and that would even be a stretch to get to the western conference final yeah because like let's just hypothetically let's let's say they finish second let's say let's say dallas gets hot and wins the division and you're you're matching up against winnipeg in round one that's not easy that's not easy if anything that makes me that reminds me of going up against seattle except they have connor hellebuck and like actual players it's not philip grubauer yeah where it's not philip grubauer and the best player on the other ice is is Yanni Gord, like the where it's like Kyle Connor and Nick Ehlers, and now the Jets have like depth too. Yeah, it's like, it's like Seattle, except they don't suck. Yeah, it, it as the team sits right now, this team is not a Stanley Cup contender. Yeah, I, I think, think I think they are a contender, but you see a lot of contenders bow out early in the playoffs yes. sometimes. I think they could win a round. I think against Dallas, if they're healthy, it's a coin flip. I think they, they just need a little more help. And the interesting part about like, oh, they just need a little more help, especially at center. Uh, the center market does not look very good. No. Because if I know we're harping on Elias Lindholm, if it's not Elias Lindholm, is it Sean Monahan who's like legitimately the next best rental center right I've now? I've seen like Yanni Gord's been thrown around a little bit. I don't know if Seattle's trading him. Yeah, like, I don't think they are either. Like, uh, yeah, they're not very good this season. They're still in the hunt. And he's still signed for a couple of years and they just saw what that team can do with the right mix. I don't think they're in a rush to trade anyone. I guess, I mean, guess Gord has two years left and he's 32. I, you know what? I'm talking myself into that. Now. Yeah, no, but like still, yeah. is that enough to move the needle for this team? I don't think so. I think Yanni Gord, I mean, it would be really fun if we just start like building the, the old lightning teams on the Avalanche. Yeah, Yanni Gordon, Ross Colton. Like, I think that would be very funny to end up doing. How realistic is it? I mean, I think Gord is in a significant improvement over Ryan Johansson, but it's it's really more like you now you just have two Ross Colton style players, and I think that could work. It could. I mean, it, we've talked about before the the solution is sitting in the press box for this team right now. Yeah, and um, I think the 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 best case scenario you can hope for with Landeskog is Western Conference Final. Yeah. That's best case scenario, and I still that, get that is if honestly his rehab goes ahead of schedule and they're comfortable playing him early. Because I mean, as as nice as it would be to get Landis Gog back, it's a nice pipe dream, you know. Like it's nice to be like, oh, if they just go on a run and they get Landis Gog back. I mean, that that's if everything goes beyond perfect. Realistically, you, he's not walking through that door. No, so it, it would be nice. But I still think this mix just needs a little more work. Because as, as nice as it was to win in St. Louis, you're not going to win a lot of games like that. If you no. play like that, you're going to lose most of them. 
yeah, you got three of four points on this division road trip. There's a four nothing blown lead in there and a real slog of a hockey game against the blues that you won and you can't be too mad about it, but I think there's still work to be done. I think I've said every episode for the last month that there's still work to be done. And like, this is where it's too, like you look at the trade market. I don't know. It's too early to tell which teams are going to be sellers at the deadline. Yeah. And I I think the deadline could suck this year. Like I just, I don't don't think it's going to be that interesting. There's a lot of teams in both conferences. Like I'd say teams that are dead is Columbus is probably not going to make the playoffs. Columbus is probably the deadest of dead. Buffalo has a minuscule chance, a minuscule chance. The only reason Ottawa's still in there is because they still are like so many games behind people. I mean, to be fair, they have the same points percentage as the Blue Jackets, but they've played six less games than they have. Like Ottawa's going to climb that mountain before the end of the season. I don't think they're going to come close to the playoffs, but like if they don't, that could put right. Tarasenko in the mix, but like is Tara, like we're having this problem with Ryan Johansson. Is Tarasenko really going to be a solution? Right. Like that's all trade deadline stuff. But most of the teams in the East, like I, the Habs, are going to sell. But I still think they want to see where this goes first. Right. Like the, their teams actually surpassed expectations. Like yeah. they're they're a solid team. Like, like I know you said Jake Allen at the beginning, maybe, but I kind of like what Montreal's building. I think they're a good young team. And, and like and you, you look out west, I think Anaheim, Chicago, and San Jose are done. But who do you want off those teams? Not many people. Like right. the Jason Dickinson for the bottom six, maybe. Maybe like Duclair, Anthony like Duclair, Duclair, since he's yeah. like he hasn't been very good. So maybe you can get him for pennies on the dollar. Right. Like I, I don't know, man. It, it's just going to be very interesting. And and no one I listed as a center. Correct. And I just need to we need to find a second line center and it does seem if it's not Lindholm, I don't know who it's going to be. Like you're going to have to f- figure out something creative and I don't know, maybe they find a way to pull off solving the second line center problem right. for the foreseeable future. Maybe they find a way to do that. I don't even know what that could be right now. Maybe, maybe yeah. it's Yanni Gordon. They have that solved for this season and next, but yeah, who knows? Who knows, man? I, I, I just, this team as it's built right now, I, I don't think they can win a Stanley Cup. Yeah. And, you know, it's an interesting conversation because I think this team is unequivocally better than they were last year. Yes. And we're we also... even thought last year there was no chance they could win a Cup too. No, I think we were – at this point of the season, I think we were still saying, like, oh, if they just get healthy, though. Yeah, we were. We definitely we're, were. We are a year removed from Cup brain where we're sure. not blinded by the fact that we just won and cannot see the – incredible flaws on this team since <laughs> so many key players departed now that we like got beat up in the playoffs and are kind of back down to earth a little bit you can see the holes in this yes. roster but also understand that this team has as good of a chance as anyone to win because i don't think there is one team that is the favorite right oh no. the favorite could still very well be the abs like even i don't even think that's that biased to say no because the, the top Rangers, end talent's there. Yeah, the top end talent is there. Like the Rangers are a good team. I don't know if I'd call them the cup favorites, though, just because they're in first. And like I kind of like the Panthers out of the East again. I think the Panthers think, are pretty fucking good. I kind of agree with that. I think, I I think the Panthers are the top dog in the I East. I think it's a I think it's a boring answer, but I kind of like them again. They Dude, they, 
they look good. Sam Reinhardt kicks so much ass, dude. But like, this is what I'm talking about. Like, we're talking about how we're not super impressed by the Canucks. Dog, they're tied for first in the league. Yeah, <laughs> it's that's your depth go, bro. And so is Vegas, who just lost to the Ducks. Like, there is there is no favorite. And then in fourth place is the Colorado Avalanche, who we are sitting here complaining about. Yep. So they're this has to be a season where you make improvements and yes. really give this team a chance and hope health works in your favor. Cause I have never seen parody like this. We've always talked about parody in the NHL and how it's always the teams are so close to each other. Every team in the NHL, it feels like it's just completely neck and neck from yes. like one all the way down to, to like 10 in this league right now. Yeah, it, it's going to be – this playoffs is going to kick ass because it's going to be so unpredictable. I mean, throw all rankings out the window. Yeah. The play, Like one versus wild card two doesn't matter. Does not matter doesn't in matter. the slightest. All it's, it's going to be fun. for is like who's who's getting home ice. Yeah, it's going to be fun. But um, I do want to talk about – as we transition away from that, you did kind of bring it up earlier. Sam Gerrard is expected to return uh, tonight against the Sharks. We've talked about it on episodes. Sam Gerard is going to be so valuable to this team through the stretch run. I give credit to Malinsky, uh, Manson, and Byron for kind of holding down the fort for Sam Gerard. But Sam Gerard coming back is going to elevate this defense so fucking much, dude. So much. And I am so excited to see him back. And, and I'm actually like, I'm very intrigued to see what type of player he's going to be now that he is clean, sober. His mind is probably better than it's been in years. I am very intrigued to see the player we are going to get out of Sam Gerard. Having Gerard back, a potentially a better Sam Gerard back than we've ever seen, is going to take such a strain off yes. of the rest of this defense. And I'm I'm just so incredibly proud of him for all of the the steps that he's taken over the last month and his quotes of today or was either yesterday or today was basically just like I was just tired of of hiding everything it it all became too much of me I had to put it all out in the open and I needed to go get help and he talked about how how life changing this whole experience has been I mean we could get Sam Gerard just on fire out of here. And to get him back in this situation and that he's fully healthy and ready to go, I'm, I'm excited. That's, that's 23 it. minutes of ice time right there. Yeah. That, that is that, going that, to be absorbed. Yeah, that is just going to be taken off of other people's plates. Yeah. And I, I don't know about you. I had that exact feeling. I think it was in the first period of the St. Louis game. Manson takes a penalty and it's like, okay, well now Byram and Taves are going to have to kill 140 of this power play. And then it was Jack Johnson and Bo Byram on the second half. And I was like, oof, that is, that is not great. Yeah. You, you need Sam Gerrard in this lineup. And I think for the first time you've started to see people appreciate Sam Gerrard. Which having him not in the lineup for the That's last a narrative time. we've been having, we've been pushing for, Three years of doing the show, I feel like. Yeah, so. where it's like, okay, you don't like Sam Gerard, let's take him out, and let let's see how it operates. And our argument was hindered by the fact that they won a cup without him. Yeah, but, well, they know. won a cup in spite of him getting hurt. They right. won a cup with that's five how good, That's how yeah. good that team was. They yeah. won a Stanley Cup replacing Sam Gerard with Jack Johnson, who which played was, eight minutes a night for right, a which, like, which is ridiculous. Really, I don't think any other team would have been able to get away with that. Yeah. But the Avs were probably the 
best team of the last 15 years when they won the cup and were able to to just go out and sweep the Edmonton Oilers and beat the two-time defending champ Tampa Bay Lightning without Sam Gerrard. Like, that is shocking. That's not the standard. And when they haven't had Gerrard in the lineup over the last two seasons, they've struggled. And they've struggled not having him recently. Yes. And it's going to be awesome. I am so excited to see the way he plays. I think he's going to... They're going to ease him back into the games, obviously. I, I would expect probably like maybe 15 to 18 minutes tomorrow, I would imagine. Probably. I mean, they're, they're definitely going to to ease him back into it. I mean, yeah. they, they, that's what they've been doing for the last little bit. He's been cleared to practice for a little bit now. Yeah. And against the Sharks, they're not going to throw him into a 25-minute no. deep end. Although Gerard is such a freak athlete, he he might play that. He might. <laughs> he might. He's such a freak. But Just that is going to help Kill McCarr. It's going to help Devon Taves. It's going to take some pressure off of Byram, who after the Arizona, like the Arizona game is kind of the one blip. I've actually liked the way Byram's been playing outside of the Arizona game. Manson's been great. You saw that Malinsky is NHL ready. So you have that ready to go. Yeah. And I mean, he just switching to Malinsky for a quick second. He did not play well against the Coyotes. I didn't think he played very well against the Blues. And it's just a really bad timing for him to have those two bad games because he already did not have the tiebreaker with not having to go on waivers. And so he does get sent down and both Caleb Jones and Jack Johnson stay up, which I don't think is a surprise. I don't think it would have no. mattered even if Malinsky was good. In it's those better games. asset management. Yeah. And it's the thing with Jack Johnson. I feel like people are harping up. I've actually kind of liked the way Jack Johnson's played all year. Like, name, a, name a problem you've had with Jack Johnson in the last yeah. month. He's been solid, man. I've liked yeah. the way Jack Johnson's name, played. Name a problem you've had with Jack Johnson ever. Like with the guy just being on the ass. Yeah, just constantly goes in there and does his job. He can play whatever role. I remember when he first came, he was playing like 22 minutes a night. He's a perfect guy. I do still think we need to add another defenseman. I, I would like just to have that depth. But Jack Johnson wasn't going anywhere. I think Jack Johnson's played exactly the way I expected Jack Johnson to play all year. The people say, like, oh, why is Jack Johnson not put on waivers? Like, guys, watch him. He's not getting sent down. Even if you don't think he's been great, Bednar does because he plays him. And they're not just going to go and – It's like the only other penalty-killing defenseman we have. So It hasn't been bad. Like, there there have been points in his Avs tenure where we're just like, dog, come on. Yeah. But this season, I have nothing negative to say no. about Jack Johnson. Caleb Jones, yeah, I he's fine. Whatever. I don't care. Yeah, it, It's going to be – I'm so excited to have Sam Gerrard back. Uh, that game's going to kick ass tomorrow to see him back on the ice. I really hope he gets a very loud reception um, and a very loud, rousing one when, when his name is announced because uh, he deserves it, and that's just super, super cool. Um Let's preview the Sharks game before we move on to the rest of the NHL news. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I think I, I want to say the Avs win this game big. I just don't know, man. <laughs> Is it bad that I totally forgot this game was even going to happen and I forgot we were even going to do a preview for it? Yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of how everyone's feeling. Uh, it's a New Year's Eve game. Um, I mean, let's let's play a game. How many games in a row have the Sharks lost? Five? They've lost seven games in a row. Damn, they're back to being bad. Yeah, which means which it's even is, more. It's we're in dire straits right now for the Avs because that's probably bad news for us. Right, that's what I was about to say. This is bad news. We'll probably lose this game now. Um, I think it's gonna be closer than we expect. I'm gonna say the Avs went four two and they get an empty netter. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with five one. I think it's 
I think the Avs are going to have a decent performance. I think McKinnon's going to have probably a three-point night to to make up for the zero he had against St. Louis. And not overly concerned about the game, but it's... It uh, does on-paper strike as a just this another... This is loss. a vicious trap game. Yes, because you look at the rest of the week ahead. What did we say? that They got the Stars next Thursday. Yeah, it's San Jose Sunday. Islanders, Islanders, Stars, Panthers, Bruins, Oof. Vegas, Toronto. Oof. So you've got a stretch coming up. So I will say this. You better fucking win this. Yeah, game. you better win this goddamn game. We're going to find out a lot about this team in the next couple weeks. Because isn't are Florida and Boston on the road, or are those home games? Those are home games. The only, okay. the only road game is Dallas. Dallas. Okay. So, so your home Islanders, road Dallas, home Panthers, home Bruins – home Vegas, and then you hit the road for Toronto, Montreal, Ottawa, Boston, Philly, home Washington, home L.A., and then you're done with January. So a lot of home games coming up. It's going to be a fun month of January. I'm looking forward yeah, to these it. Are, these are some good hockey games, but it is significantly tougher than December was. Yes. That has not always been perfect. So Yeah. Uh, these are going to be some tough, brutal physical games that I'm very glad Sam Gerrard's going to be back for and hopefully Lekkinen not far behind. Yeah. Yeah, you need to win this game against I'm making the tomorrow's game a must-win game. <laughs> yeah, because you don't have any other coming up soon. Your yeah. easiest game coming up is... Uh, the Islanders? Even then. <laughs> yeah. Your easiest game over your next five is probably the islanders yeah yeah who's a playoff team <laughs> yeah because after that you're on the road in dallas and you're playing florida and then boston and then vegas is vegas at home or is that away that's that's at home okay Phew. all right good yeah uh, um, yeah this will be must win game against the sharks must win yeah must win you can't drop these two points you've dr- you yeah. dropped two points against chicago you dropped a point against arizona You've dropped a bunch of unnecessary points over the last month, even though they've it's been fine. I'd, I'd like a point streak going here. I'd like to push this point streak to five and then go into to January on a high note and just start to rattle some stuff off here. Yeah, that'd be good. That'd be good. Um, since it is New Year's, uh, what's uh, what's your New Year's resolution for the Avs? Uh, good health and good fortune. You're a basic bitch. I like it, though. Mm. Um Mine is to have the salary cap magically go up by $5 million. Yes. That'd be my, cool. My New Year's resolution is to clear pucks. I like that one too. Uh, my New Year's resolution is for Gabriel Landeskog's knee to heal, and he comes back to the abs this right, year. Well, we're, we're past Christmas miracles. so Yeah, we are past Christmas miracles. Um, an honest one, uh, Alexander Georgiev bounces back to his form from last year. Yeah, uh, Georgiev is a 925 from here to the end of the season, and you find yourself a second-line center. Love it. Yeah. Love it. The most basic bitch answers, you want your goalie to be good, and you want a better center. Yeah, all right. Well, we we, we, we stuck with the holiday theme. Yeah, and uh, to have – to cut down on the gap from uh, Val Nachushkin at 34 points and then the next forward – is uh Ross Colton at 17. Oof. I'd like to cut that down from uh Nichushkin and then half of his points is the next best forward. Oof. I'd like to close that gap. But also yeah. the vowels keep going up. Yeah, I like that too. 
Oof, I hadn't even noticed that. Yeah, that yeah. Is I, I was literally just looking at the stats because I was curious. And Hashtag MVP McKinnon. <laughs> yeah, McKinnon 56 and then Rantanen 44. So there's a 12-point difference between him and Rantanen. And yeah. then Carr 41, not a forward. Nichushkin 34. Then Devontae's 20. Oof. And then Ross Colton at 17. Oof. So uh, a little more depth scoring. That'd be great. That would be great. That's my New Year's resolution is to uh, fucking help them. Help me. Help me. That's what McKinnon at the top might say. Like an income back and we'll, we'll be feeling fine. But any other Avs stuff before we move on to the rest of the NHL? Any other Avs stuff? Not, no. Not really seeing anything at the moment. If we want to talk about the rest of this godforsaken league. Yeah, the Winter Classic. Uh, yeah. The... Monday. Let's, I, perfect. Let's put it right up against the Rose Bowl. Um between Alabama and Michigan. I'm sure we'll get tons of viewers. Uh, well, I think there's a reason this is on at 2 o'clock Eastern time. Yeah, I guess the Rose Bowl doesn't start till 1. Well, 3 o'clock Eastern. No, 4 o'clock Eastern. Yeah. It's 4, uh, it's four o'clock, I think. So like, you got two hours to have hockey to yourself. It's a good appetizer for everybody. Yeah. actual main event of college football. But, I mean, I think we had an argument about this Winter Classic last year. I mean, do you still think it's useless? Yes, no one cares about this outside of it. Like, I get it. Like, the whole East Coast bias thing is stupid. I, I agree it's kind of fun to have these two teams play. But if you were going to give one to Seattle, why not? I guess Vancouver's not any better. You're not going to sell a Canadian team in the USA. Honestly, I think this worked out even better than we could have expected when this was announced. Seattle made the playoffs. Vegas won the Cups. Now you have the defending champs in a Winter Classic game. And Seattle is a, a lovable little story. The only problem is they just haven't been very good this year. Yeah. Seattle is better. I think this would work out, but it's just not a very interesting game because I think Vegas are going to kick them up and down the ice. So yeah, and the jerseys suck. I think if the jerseys were cool, I like I like Seattle's. I think Seattle's yeah. kind of kick ass. Vegas's are lame as hell. Yeah, I guess I I, I can't. I'm kind of sign hypocritical because I do always complain when it's Chicago, Boston, Pittsburgh, Washington, and I'm. And then the, finally, the first time they do it, I'm bitching that no one cares. This is more just falls on the fact that I have not, I've seen zero commercials for the Winter Classic outside of watching games on TNT. They, they just need to do a better job at advertising the outdoor games or just finding a reason for people to care about them at all. Yeah. Like, they, they happen I every honestly year. think it would be better if they just got rid of the outdoor games for like a year or two. I just think they, they have to stake a claim to it where New Year's has to be your day. I know it's unfortunate because college football is falling on your day this year because it's always the first Monday after New Year's is when they have the the final four for college football. But the NHL, they need to like stake their claim that New Year's is our day. The Winter Classic is our day because the, like, the NBA does it with Christmas. The NFL does it with Thanksgiving. Well, <laughs> the NFL kind of took over Christmas. The NFL took it this year, but they're not going to do that every year. No, they are. Did you not see that? They're going to do it. They're going to play a game on Wednesday next year. Are they really? Wow. Yeah. They're so it's Okay, well, the NFL is taking over every other <laughs> Here's then. the thing. The NFL can do whatever the fuck they want. And yeah, people- that's just so funny that the NFL is just like, yeah, we're just going to have some games on Christmas this year, and they just fucking destroy the NBA. <laughs> it was like 25 million viewers for the NFL, and I think the highest NBA it was the one. Five. It was the one o'clock game. It was the, yeah. you were watching the Oakland Raiders play the yeah. City Chiefs, and yeah. it destroyed all NBA <laughs> NFL's king. Um, 
Yeah, I, I don't know, but like New Year's Day, there's so many good college football games, but as college football's gone down, it, it's just the outdoor games I still think are a really cool idea. It's just this is like year 14 of it. Right? Because they started in 2009 with the Sabres. Because that Sabres-Penguins game will always be my favorite outdoor classic game because it was the first. Right. And it, and was it was also snowing. Yeah. yeah. It was a kick-ass game. I mean, Unless, there's... There, like, there I, comes, you, go ahead. I do think that, like, the Lake Tahoe games were fun because it was at a place that is different from, like, a baseball stadium. If they could do something where they do, like, find a way to do it in, like, a, like a Mystery Alaska-type situation where it's just in the middle of a town... I think that would be a lot cooler than seeing it in every fucking baseball stadium. I, yeah, I wish they would bring back the Lake Tahoe stuff again, like finding a way to do it that just wouldn't be burning money. Right, and they did it where they found a place where you didn't necessarily need fans, but fans going to that would have been a lot cooler because yeah, it's a different experience than... Honestly, I kind of like the no fans, though, for it. And I get like we were working with the Times right. with the Lake Tahoe stuff. Like Obviously, they're not going to do that. They're going to squeeze every single dime at every single event that they can. But, I don't know, one once a year, right? Like, you do it with the Winter Classic, you make a shit ton of money. Have a Lake Tahoe game. Like, those are yeah. fun. Those are fun, scenic stuff that'll help. That'll sell itself a little bit. You know, right. like that's just, the thing. Like, do something different than out like a baseball team. Like, as cool as seeing the transitions are of them building the ice, we've seen it at like every major stadium now. Right. Like, it's gotten to the point where like the Winter Classic is stale. You yes. know, it is stale. It's gone on long enough. I, I'll still watch it because oh, I'm like so. watching hockey. I th- I think the Winter Classic is cool, but why would the casual fan care? Like, okay, it's outside. Sick. <laughs> Like yeah. you Put gotta add, location. you have to add more to it than just it's outside. Because that novelty is kind of worn off at this. It point. wore off like five years ago. Yeah, probably I think even earlier. Though the one where it was at Target Field was cool because it was like negative forty degrees. That was cool to watch just because right. that was cold. But like, did anyone watch it? Probably not. Yeah, it's like that was cool and cool optics. But also, a lot of outdoor games kind of suck because the ice is shitty. Sometimes yeah. you get a 6-4 game thrown in there, but the Winter Classic is not for television. It's for the local markets. Yeah, I will admit, going to two of them has been awesome. Yeah, like, going I've, I've to both has been great. I've been to two outdoor games. I went to the Winter Classic between the Caps and the Blackhawks in 2015, and I went to the Stadium Series against the Caps and the Leafs in 2018. And yeah. th- those were both fantastic experiences. Was that, was that Caps... Hawks game was that the one where they had to flip the ice every 10 minutes because of the sun yes <laughs> yeah it's like like that's the thing that only happens in outdoor hockey right it, like it's fun you will never catch me not saying that the winter classic is fun it's just a tough sell on television a lot of the time like you've got to be able to find a way to keep the formula fresh because yeah it's great for Seattle it's great for the local markets when you have it there but there's just not enough else to it to sell yes. it enough no, man, it's going to be – they did do it right this year. That's the only NHL game on that day. They did do that part right, that if you are an NHL <laughs> fan, that's just the one game. have, like, six other games that day. Yeah. It was bizarre. What was the game last year? Was it Penguins-Bruins last Bruins. year? It was Penguins-Bruins last year. Random-ass winner class. Like, I would rather have this Vegas-Seattle yeah. than, like, really? 
Penguins, Bruins. Like, I forgot about that until you even mentioned it. Yeah, because it was at Fenway, so that was kind of cool. But, like, we already um, had one at Fenway. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like, we've already had one at Fenway. Washington's not going to get another one. Chicago could be in another one with Bedard now, but they're so god-awful. That's probably three years away. Um, and the oh, thing yeah, is... Like, the Winter Classic last year, the Avs played the Knights on the same day. Yeah, that's right. They did. And then yeah. did, did we get our ass kicked that night? It was 3-2. It wasn't a good game, but... We lost. Yeah, but it was stupid. Why are we playing yeah. fucking other games? Like that should and be. Then, the and then you just had like the random Flyers Ducks game. Yeah, it makes like, no sense. Stupid, stupid stuff. Like this is should how it be how it is. It's the only game on, and you make it a whole spectacle and everything. Like just there's got to be another selling point than you can watch this game, but it's outside. Do you think it hurts the fact that like, I think as times passed, I do miss NBC's coverage of it. Oh yeah. Oh my god. Like I, I think it hurts that I think TNT does a fantastic job. They do a great job with the NBA. They do a great job with the NHL. But NBC has way more viewers on it casually than TNT does, so they can put more ads for it, like in like in between the dramas that are on on those days. Right. Yeah. I mean, it definitely doesn't help all that much like what if i could tell you that doc emmerich was going to call this game would you watch it i'd watch it i'd probably record the game and watch it for fun yeah i was gonna say i would watch it and record it and then watch it again in slow-mo yeah just to hear doc i I do think doc emmerich not being there because kenny albert's a great play-by-play man i I think he's better than sean mcdonough but he's not doc emmerich right no one i think that's what hurts it too is i do think espn's done a better job with the nhl this year TNT does an okay, like TNT does a way better job than ESPN does with their coverage of it. But ever since you've pointed out to me just the volume difference between the two of the crowds, that's all I notice now. Yeah, I I noticed it right away. And it's like just constantly hearing like nails on chalk where it's just, it does not get the same. Did you listen to the Avs game last night? I felt like the crowd was louder in that game. I felt like the crowd volume was up in that game for some reason. I don't know why it just felt that way probably was in that game i mean the mics are all in different positions in the stadiums and everything and they all pick up differently but yeah nbc had it down to a science with their their broadcast and i think tnt is close they're just not quite there yet and espn does not give a fuck at all yeah espn just doesn't give a shit about anything outside the nba and the nfl yeah (laughs) let's be honest that's all they care about yeah so they probably spent how much money to get this lions and cowboys game today like they don't they don't care about it yeah, they don't care. So it should be fun. Um, I'm looking forward to that game. I will watch. I've ter- changed my stance to not be as hypocritical because I, I would much rather have Vegas, Seattle than Chicago and Boston again for the 90th time. Um, oh, there was one thing. I We need to talk about this just because it is abs related. And there was a discourse going around about Mark Mosier and the, the, the broadcast. And people being like, oh, he's the worst. And it's like, guys, here's the thing. Man. I watched that video waiting for him to like actually say something crazy. Cause I thought, hey, I, like, did... I thought I missed something. I was like, so did I. he was just like, oh, I can't believe it. And people were like, dude, it. fuck this guy. He's yeah. so annoying. I was like, what the hell are you talking yeah. about? It's just, it... the thing is, and I think this is what altitude does better. Or they do a good job with this is it does feel like the commentators are fans of the team. Right. And that's okay. I don't get the part of that being a bad thing. I want Mark Mosier to feel the way I'm feeling about it. I don't need right. him going up there. Because I mean, you listen, you listen. Have you listened to like Pat Summerall way back in the day? who's was considered the greatest 
yeah. commentator of all time. He is the most boring fuck when you listen to him. He goes, touchdown, Cowboys. It's like, who the fuck? I, I want emotion. Like, I, I want that. And that is what makes Mark Mosier one of my favorites commentators. Jack Edwards drives me crazy for Boston. He drives me crazy. But I'm sure everyone in Boston fucking loves the guy because he seems like he dies with the Bruins. Jack Edwards is an interesting case because he is definitely the homerist of homers in, I I think, sports broadcasting. He also doesn't follow plays. (laughs) He just gets lost where it's like, but here's the thing. I don't like Jack Edwards, so I don't watch Bruins broadcast. I will go out of my way not to watch a Bruins broadcast. Right. So if you think Mark Moser is annoying and you find Avalanche broadcasts annoying, I have this great thing where when you're watching on ESPN Plus, like I'm assuming you are, you can watch the other broadcast. You don't have to watch it. If you find it so annoying... But of course, did you realize where it came from? Did you look at the St. Louis fan, right? The Blues fan. Yeah. Which they stole the abs announcer. They stole Mike Kelly away from the abs. Yeah. Mike and Kelly also, your guys' as announcers are fucking biased. Like, do you. Oh, Darren Pang was the worst with the Blues. Yes. They like, put it... Darren Pang on national broadcasts and he would actively be cheering for the Blues. Right. Like, it, that's just the way it goes. Like, I have no problem with the way Mosier does it. I like Riker. I think they're a funny duo. Obviously, trying to replace Peter McNabb is an impossible feat. I just don't I think Riker does a decent job at it. I just don't understand the the stance of oh the Avalanche broadcasts are biased towards the Avs. Duh. Really? <laughs> like it's like do you really do you really think so? The team that is paying these people to announce their games, the the Avalanche broadcast channel that is owned by Cronky Sports Entertainment and right. their own broadcasting channel, Altitude. They are biased their towards the team. The no whole, shit, Sherlock. The whole discourse is ridiculous. It yeah. just seemed like a complete waste of time and the perfect thing for Blues fans to blow entire evening complaining about. And then we beat them, which made it even better. Right. It's like, it's like know, who is? I'm pre- you probably didn't even watch the game. You probably yeah. saw the highlight on NHL on the NHL account. Yeah. Like, oh, this is so annoying that he sounds so annoyed that his team blew a four nothing lead. No shit. You yeah. fucking ingrained. What is the matter with you? Right. Because, like, if you had to name, like, your favorite play-by-play team, like your commentating team, I kind of feel like I know your answer. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Is, is it the Caps? Joe Joe, and uh, – I'm forgetting the other guy's name. Yeah, Joe and Craig. Yeah, they're good. I will go out of my ways to watch Caps broadcast. But they're also, like, you can tell they very clearly root for the Caps. Yeah. Like, Joe, like – yeah, Joe B. I mean, Joe does a pretty good job at staying unbiased. Craig is unapologetically all caps. Yeah. But, like, that's fine. Like, I'm watching it for that. It's my I, broadcast. I think I, like, if I had to rank my top five favorite broadcasts, I, I love the Avs, probably number one. I'd probably go caps number two with their team. I really like the Panthers broadcast team. I really do. I, I, I like those guys. Um, Randy Moeller, and I'm forgetting the guy's name. They, they have passion. I like them a lot. And then... I mean, Sportsnet has their own. I'm trying to think of another local. I hate the Wild broadcast team. I don't like that guy's yeah. voice. They annoy me. Uh, I like Tampa's. They brought one of the old guys from from Sportsnet. That's pretty. Yeah, good. I don't mind Tampa's. Seattle, yeah. like Seattle, I do like. I do like. Uh, why am I blanking on his name? Forsland. Uh, yeah, John Forslund. Yeah, I do like I, John. Forslund. I love. I like Forslund's one of the best in the game. So I, I like the Kings broadcast too. 
I like yeah. the Kings. Kings have good. Yeah, commentary. imagine that. These a lot of these guys are national commentators. Yeah, I mean, it, it it just it drove me crazy. I was just like, this is seriously what we're arguing about right now. It like, was. Okay, you can point at any team in the NHL after if in that situation, you're not going to get a lot of like, wow, great credit to the other team for this great comeback. They'll be like, wow, that really sucks. Yeah, which is what like I watched that clip. I again, I really thought I like missed something for people. So did I. To I was like, up about this. I thought he was going to be like, wow. And the lose to a terrible team like the the Arizona Coyotes. He didn't even say it. He was like, oh, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Like, he lo- and he loves saying that. If you yeah. clearly like, clearly you don't watch these broadcasts. He right. says it seven times a game. <laughs> right. It, it's just so funny, man. But that that cracked me up because that was right on schedule. Because I feel like we have this argument like once a year. Yeah. Like, don't watch it then. You don't have to stop being a That's baby. That's the beauty of ESPN Plus nowadays. You can watch whatever broadcast you want. Right. Stop being a giant baby and shut up. Oh, you know who we forgot? Who's a good broadcast team? The Rangers. The Rangers have a good broadcast team. It's pretty good. Yeah. Like I, I, I like those guys. Old fashioned. I will go out of my way to watch a Rangers broadcast. Yeah. Old fashioned. Yeah. But yeah, uh, other NHL news, just to wrap up the show, Ilya Samsonov uh, affirmatively is the worst goalie in the NHL, and the stats back it up. Um, just a truly horrific game from him last night in Columbus. Games in a row, yeah. yeah. So bad. So, so bad. Um, and other than that, pretty much nothing else in the NHL has happened. The Flyers are still mm. somehow very good. I mean, we've only been back for a couple of days yeah. at this point. And we're just kind of waiting around for things to get interesting. But, I mean, we can only talk about the standings so much because no one's pulling away. Nope. And no one's really falling back either. The Coyotes are still in. Nashville's still in. And I mean, you've got a handful of teams that are out, but this this is a long way from over. Yeah, it's not even close. We are, we are not in the new year, but hey, final episode of twenty twenty three, another year in the books, man. Another year in the books. Somehow this podcast has made it to twenty twenty four. That was not on my twenty twenty three bingo card either. I was I when I started this show in the end of twenty twenty, I did not have this down. Are we one of the longest tenured on the network? I think so. I mean, we go we go through shows like nothing else sometimes. Yeah, we gotta be getting up there. Yeah, we probably are. There's a couple that are a little longer than we are, but we'll see. Hey, keep it going, man. Another year. Let's make it to 2025. Let's make it to 2025. Hopefully, with another cup by the end of it. Fingers That's crossed. New Year's resolution. I want a I want a Super Bowl ring and I want a Stanley Cup. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see if. I'm just giving everyone a warning. If I come on the next episode and I sound just uber depressed, just know it's probably because Michigan lost to Alabama. Um, and if I seem to be in a super cheery mood, uh, you will also know the reason why. Yes. One of the two. We'll One of the two. Goes. There's no in between. Yep. We'll see where that goes in time, but I'm ready to wrap this one up here. Yep. You are. Let's do it. So again, thank you all so very much for tuning in to another edition of the Teledapsitis podcast on the Hockey Podcast network you can use promo code teledabs it is on SeatGeek for $20 off your first order of $50 or more you're going to follow us on twitter you can follow me at g young's nhl you can follow christian at christian underscore belay and you can follow the show at tell it as it is but again thank you so very much for tuning in and we will catch you all next time but until then let's go out